Good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning. What a blessing it is to be able to be together on this Lord's Day to worship God and to study from His Word. I want to thank Brother Mike for leading us in our singing this morning. I want to thank Brother Elliot for leading us in our thoughts before we took up a collection for the saints. And I want to thank, I want to thank Brother Don for his prayer. I want to thank Brother Don for leading us in a petition to God. In fact, isn't it just a, a great blessing to be able to do that? Isn't it just a great blessing to be able to petition God? Isn't it just a great blessing to be able to talk to God? Isn't it a great blessing to be able to talk to him at any time we desire? Let me tell you something. That that is something that you could not do with a lot of people in the world today. You see, whether you like the president, the current president or not, that's your business. But I think we can all at least agree that we couldn't get a five-minute conversation with him in the next 24 hours if our lives depended on it. Even though you can get on your phone or your iPad right now and you can Google easily the number to the White House, my friends, you still couldn't get a five-minute conversation with the president of the United States in the next 24 hours if your life depended on it. That's how important he is. That's how busy he is. That's how hectic his schedule is as the leader of the free world. But now I want you to think about God, the actual creator of the world. I mean, since I am talking to a, a bunch of Christians right now, I think you will agree with me when I say that God is greater than the president, right? God is greater than the person who occupies 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Why do I say that? Well, because he's God. Because he's the creator. Because he's the sustainer. Because he's the redeemer. Because he's the one who holds the world in the palm of his hands. You see, because God is God. That means that he is greater than any person who occupies the offense of the presidency. And yet, even though God is greater than the president, even though God is greater than me, and even though God is greater than you, even though God is way up here and we're way down there, he still allows us the opportunity and the blessing to be able to talk to him through prayer at any time we desire. And he promises to always listen to what we have to say. We learn that in a psalm like, like Psalm 34. When you go into your Bible to Psalm 34, as you make your way to Psalm 34 this morning, let me just say that if you have not been doing this Bible reading from the wisdom literature this year, you have really, you have really been robbing yourself of a great treasure. You really have been robbing yourself of a great spiritual treat. The wisdom literature is one of the best places in the Bible to go to learn more about God. It is one of the best places to go to learn more about how to have a relationship and fellowship with God. It's one of the best places to go to learn how God feels about us, human beings, his greatest creation. For example, in the 34th Psalm, we find just rich information like this. Where the Bible says in verse number 15, Psalm 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous 
and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. What is the psalmist telling us there? We're simply put there. The psalmist is telling us that when it comes to prayer, prayer is for the people of God. Prayer is for the children of God. Prayer is for me and prayer is for you. Prayer is something that God says we can do at any time. And he promises he promises to always listen to what we have to say. He'll never be too busy. He'll never be asleep. He'll never be in a meeting. He'll never come up with any kind of excuse as to why he won't consider what we have to say. The Bible says that God will always, he'll always make time to listen to your prayers. He'll always make time to listen to what we have to say. He'll always make time to listen to us when we just want to thank him for our blessings. You always make time to to listen to us whenever we just want to pour our hearts out to him or express to him our fears and our concerns and our anxieties. He will even always listen to us when we want to make requests. When we want to ask him for specific blessings in our lives, the Bible's word for that is actually the word supplication. Supplication, supplications is when we ask God for blessings. It is when we ask God to act. It is when we ask God to take action in our lives or in the lives of the people that we love. God says that supplications is something that he will allow us to do when we pray. And the question is, the question is, do you do that? Do you do you make supplications? Do, do you have times in your life when when you make specific requests to God through prayer? If you do that, then let me ask you this now. How does that usually go? How does that usually work out for you? I mean, do you feel do you feel that God hears and responds to your supplications? I ask you that question because I fear that so often as Christians, even as Christians, when we don't get what we desire when we pray, we're tempted to believe that God hasn't done that. We're tempted to believe that God hasn't heard our prayer. God hasn't responded to our prayer. We fail to understand that when it comes to prayer, the scriptures teach us that God will respond to our prayers in a variety of different ways. For example, when it comes to the request we make to God through prayer, sometimes God, sometimes God is going to say yes. Sometimes God is going to give us exactly what we want. He's going to give us that immediately. We find God answering prayers like that for his people all throughout the Bible, don't we? For example, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, the Bible here in 1 Samuel, in the book of 1 Samuel, begins by telling us about a woman named Hannah. Remember Hannah? Remember, Hannah was a woman of God who was barren. 
Remember, Hannah was a woman of God who was unable to have children with her husband Elkanah, and that really bothered her. They really brought her a lot of anxiety in her life. And so she prayed to God about that. She prayed to God and she asked God for a son. She promised God that if he gave her a son, she would dedicate that son to the service of God. When Hannah has something on her heart, she went to God and she made a request before God. And you know how God responded to that prayer? He responded with a yes. He gave her what she wanted. He gave her a son. He gave her Samuel, one of the greatest prophets in Israel. God responded to Hannah's prayer request with an immediate yes. And then think about King Hezekiah. Think about 2 Kings chapter 19. In 2 Kings 19, we learn that after the Assyrians had surrounded the city of Jerusalem in an effort to conquer them, the Bible says that Hezekiah, Hezekiah put his trust in God. Hezekiah went to the temple. And he prayed to God. He begged God to deliver him and to deliver his people in Jerusalem. And God responded to that prayer by sending an angel into the Assyrian camp. And that one angel killed 185,000 soldiers in one night. Hezekiah prayed to God and God responded with an immediate yes. And then we go to Judges chapter 16, and there we can read about God answering Samson's prayer with an immediate yes when he asked for his great strength back one last time before executing vengeance against his, his enemies, the Philistines. And then in the case of the prophet Elijah, we can find two, at least two examples in the Bible where God answered his prayers with an immediate yes. On one occasion in 1 Kings chapter 17, God said yes to the request to not let it rain in Israel for a period of time. And then in another example in 1 Kings 18, we find God answering with a yes to his prayer request to send fire from heaven to expose the false prophets of Baal. And then go with me to what Jesus says. Go with me to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, you, if you recall... In your study of the Gospel of Luke, in Luke 11, the first four verses, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. They come to him and they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus doesn't say, you want me to teach you how to pray? Are you kidding me? God doesn't want to hear from you. He's too busy for someone like you. He's God. You're just a human. You think God really wants to hear from you? Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, no, God wants to hear from you. He wants you to pray, and this is how you do it. So in the first four verses, Jesus teaches us how to pray in such a way that glorifies God. Now, beginning with verse number five, Jesus will teach some very important principles and important truths about prayer. When he says, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight. Notice how radical this story is. Jesus is the master of putting radical things in his story to emphasize his points. A friend goes to somebody at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Now, let me just stop there. This guy here is a lot nicer than I would have been if someone comes to my home at midnight. 
If you come to my house at midnight and my wife and my kids are in bed and you're asking me for some bread, you're not going to get this nice response right here. You're going to get something way worse than this. You probably won't get a response at all at midnight asking for some bread. That's ridiculous. This is ridiculous. This guy wants some bread at midnight for a guest. And so in verse number eight. Jesus says, I tell you, even though he would not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence. Now, let's highlight that word persistence. This word persistence is a word that gives the professionals, the professional Greek scholars, a lot of problems. This is a problematic word here. This is a hard word to translate. They've been having a lot of controversy on this word for years. In fact, the consensus among the professionals the Greek scholars, the people who do this for a living, the consensus among them is not the word persistence. That's a bad translation. The word more is impudence. In fact, some of your translations may have the word impudence there. That's more of the idea. Shameless, rude, reckless behavior. I think the context here bears that out more, don't you think? This is impudence, reckless, shameless behavior. Because of his impudence, he'll get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He would not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he would not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What is Jesus teaching there in that section? What's the principle? What is he teaching us about prayer and how God wants us to pray? Well, listen very carefully. In this section of scripture, in this section of scripture, Jesus, the master teacher, is using a how much more teaching technique. He is using a how much more teaching technique. He is saying that if a person will give his shameless, rude, and reckless neighbor some bread in the middle of the night in a quiet Galilean village and he's waking everybody up, how much more will God give you what you want when you pray? How much more will God give me what I want when I pray if an earthly father like me who has all these flaws will give my children the things they ask for at times? How much more will the heavenly father give to his children when they ask him for blessings at times? That's what Jesus is teaching there. That's what the Lord is emphasizing there. There the Lord is teaching us that God, the creator, he actually wants us to pray, and he also actually wants to respond to our prayers. He actually wants to give us the things we request at times. He actually wants to bless us with the things that we ask for. He wants to bless us with that promotion on our job. He wants to bless us with a godly spouse. He wants to providentially heal us of a sickness or bless us to a new home or bless us to get that scholarship we want so that we can go to that university that we want. God wants to, to bless us with that kind of stuff. As our heavenly father, God wants to give us those kinds of things. And there's nothing wrong, Jesus says, with asking God for those kinds of things. 
something wrong with asking God for those kinds of blessings. Listen carefully. Anyone who says, anyone who says that God is the kind of father who doesn't want to give his children their requests through prayer, they're just wrong. They're just wrong. They don't know the truth about God. They don't know the truth about Jesus. They don't know the truth about the teaching of Jesus. Those people need to go back and study carefully what Jesus is saying in Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus says we serve a God who is good and he wants to give us our requests. He wants to give us the things that we ask for. In fact, when we take the time to stop and think about the request that we've made to God through prayer in the past, how many times has he done that? How many times has he done that in your life? How many times in your life has God done exactly what Jesus says here in these verses? I'm pretty sure that I'm standing in front of a bunch of people right now who know firsthand what it means to experience God saying yes to a request you made to him in prayer, right? You know firsthand that sometimes God, he says yes to our request. He sometimes he says yes immediately, but then other times, other times he's going to say no. Other times he's going to say no to our prayer request. In fact, maybe, maybe when God has, has told you no in the past, maybe you have found yourself having a problem with that. Maybe you have found yourself being oblivious to that. Maybe you have found yourself taking a no from God to either mean that he didn't hear your prayer or that he heard your prayer and he just refused to act. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, he certainly then take no's that way that he received from God. I'm thinking about 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Remember 2 Corinthians 12 verses 7 through 10. There Paul talks about, he talks about a thorn in the flesh. He says he had a thorn in the flesh. And he prayed to God three times that God would remove it. He, he, he says he has something in his life that was making him miserable. It was bringing all kind of suffering in his life. And he went to God and he begged God and he asked God, please get this thorn out of my life. And how did God respond to that, those prayer requests? God said, God said, no. No. My grace is sufficient. I'm not going to take the thorn away. I'm not going to get it out of your life. Instead, I'm going to leave it right there. Instead of taking it away, I'm going to give you the strength you need to endure it. I'm going to give you the strength you need to manage it. I'm going to leave this thorn right where it is in your life, Paul, because it serves a purpose. It actually serves a good purpose. Due to all the amazing visions Paul had seen as an apostle, eventually he understood that this thorn, whatever it was, it was going to be used as a tool by God to keep him humble to help keep him on the spiritual path that God wanted him to stay on. God did not always say yes to the prayer request of the great apostle Paul. In fact, beyond God not always saying yes to the apostle Paul, 
God didn't even always say yes to his son, Jesus Christ. The Hebrew writer says this to us in Hebrews 5 and verse 7. In Hebrews 5 and verse 7, he says, In the days of his flesh, he's talking about Jesus. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications. There's our word. Prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one who is able to save him from death. Jesus prayed to his father about his death, and he was heard. Notice how God heard the prayer of Jesus. He was heard because of his piety. He was heard because of his reverence and his godly attitude towards his heavenly father. Now, I want you to go in your Bible to Luke chapter 22. Are you still in Luke? Because in Luke 22, we see exactly what incident the Hebrew writer is referring to in, in Hebrews chapter 5. In Luke 22, this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is not long before he's betrayed by Judas and before he's arrested. In Luke 22, in verse number 41, the Bible says, And he, the Lord Jesus, withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Notice how there Jesus, Jesus is praying in the garden, and in his prayer, he's making a request. He's making a request to his father. He's making a request about the cup. He is asking his father, begging his father to remove the cup. The cup there is a reference to suffering. He's saying, Father, please remove this cup of suffering that's before me. Get this away from me. If there's another path for me to take to accomplish your will, let me take that path. That's what Jesus is clearly asking in those verses. He's asking for the cup of suffering he's about to drink to be removed from his life. And how did the father respond to that request? Well, we all know how the father responded to that request. The father responded to this prayer request from Jesus with a no. No, the cup of suffering wasn't going to be removed. No, there wasn't going to be another way. No, there wasn't going to be another path for the Lord to take to accomplish the scheme of redemption. Instead of saying yes to this prayer request to remove the cup of suffering. When you continue reading there in that section, you see that God the Father gave Jesus something else. He actually sent an angel to give him the strength he needed, to strengthen him so he could endure the cross. God the Father didn't, God the Father didn't say yes to this prayer request from Jesus. And the Lord, the Lord Jesus he was perfectly fine with that. The question is, what about us? What about me and what about you? Do we understand that sometimes God will give us the things we ask for through prayer and sometimes he won't? Sometimes he's going to say no. Sometimes he's going to say, no, I'm not going to give this to you. I mean, if God would not answer every prayer request from his perfect son with a yes, what makes us think we're going to be any different? Are we better than Jesus? Of course not. God's not going to give us everything we want when we make requests in prayer. He won't do that because 
He's God and he understands that sometimes as fallible human beings, the things we ask for, it's not in our best interest. For example, maybe you ask God for a specific job, a job that pays more, a job you think you'll like better, and God says no to that. God says no to that prayer request because he's God and he knows something you don't know. Maybe he knows that if you get that job, it's going to keep you away from your family more. Maybe he knows if you get that job, it's going to keep you away from the worship assemblies more. Maybe he knows that if you get that job, you're going to find yourself in a position where you're going to be tempted with some things that you're really going to struggle with. Maybe God says no to that prayer request because he's looking out for you. And maybe he's also doing that same thing when it comes to the new and and bigger house that you want right now. Maybe you found yourself begging God for a new house, a bigger house, and God answers that request with a no because he's God and he knows something you don't know. Maybe he knows you really can't afford that mortgage. Maybe he knows that very soon your company is going to start laying off people and you're going to be in over your head. You're not going to be able to afford those mortgage payments. You're going to be stressed out. You're going to be very unhappy in your life. Maybe God says no to that because he's God and he knows something you don't. He's looking out for you. Or maybe you've prayed to God asking him to take away cancer that you have. Or cancer that someone you love has. And, and, and that hasn't happened. That cancer hadn't gone any, anywhere. In fact, despite the numerous treatments and, and medicines you've been taking, the cancer's only got worse. It's only got more aggressive. It's only spread more. It's destroyed your body more. Maybe it even killed somebody that you love. I admit, I admit, brothers and sisters, in those situations, it can be frustrating. It can be frustrating trying to figure out why God didn't give us the things we asked for. But even in those situations, we got to always understand that just because a prayer request doesn't work out in the way that we desire, that doesn't mean God didn't hear our prayer. That doesn't mean God doesn't love us. That doesn't mean that God doesn't care about us. That doesn't mean that God isn't watching out for us. It just means that things turned out different in the way that we want. It just means that there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we are totally unaware of. That is why whenever making requests to God through prayer, we got to always do what Jesus did. We got to always say, Father, let this be done if it's your will. If it's what you want, if, if you feel that it's what's best for me and, and for my family and for your people, I believe that the verbal acknowledgement of the Lord's will needing to be done will remind us to put our trust in God and to know that however he chooses to respond, whether it's yes or no, it's going to be what's best. It's going to be what's best for us. It's going to be what's best for his kingdom. And so sometimes God's going to say yes immediately. And sometimes he's going to say no. But one more thing I want to say very quickly is sometimes he's going to say yes, but it's going to be yes, but not right now. 
Yes, but not right now. Yes, but you got to trust me. Yes, but you're not going to get this immediately. Yes, but you're going to have to wait a little bit. We find God responding to prayers like that in the Bible, too. You know that? I'm reminded of one of my favorite Bible characters, Joseph. I love the story of Joseph. Hollywood couldn't draw it up better than how the Holy Spirit did. It's a great story. If you remember Joseph, we can read about him in Genesis, and he was sold into slavery by his brothers. And eventually he wound up in Egypt working as a slave in a man named Potiphar's house. And then eventually he actually went to prison for several years for a crime he did not commit. Joseph went through all that bad stuff as a young person, as a teenager and a young man. And let me just ask you, while he was going through all that stuff, do you think he ever prayed to God? You think he ever prayed to God in Potiphar's house? You think he ever prayed to God while he was in that Egyptian jail cell? Do you ever think he asked God to remember him and deliver him and vindicate him? Do you ever think he asked God that one day, one day let me be reunited with my father? You think he, you think he ever made those kind of requests? Well, based on what we know about Joseph's character, I think we can safely conclude that Joseph, Joseph made those kind of requests. Joseph certainly prayed to God. He prayed to God all the time, and yet it would be nearly 20 years before he was reunited with his father and before he fully understand why God had him down in Egypt in the first place. You put that in what you find with the story of Sarah and Abraham. In the book of Genesis also, we learn that even though Sarah was barren, God promised her and her husband Abraham a son in their old age. That is actually something that Abraham specifically requested of God. And do you know how long it took before God decided to give them what they asked for? 25 years. Abraham was 75 years old when God originally promised to give him a son. And it wouldn't be until he was 100 and his wife was 90 that that promise was fulfilled. You see, sometimes God will give us exactly what we want when we pray. But we're not going to get it immediately. We're going to get it way down the line. We're going to get it way down the line in the future. We're going to get it when God says he feels we are ready to receive it. That's what we learn from Joseph. That's what we learn from Abraham. And let's just be honest. That reality, that reality really challenges us, doesn't it? Oh, man, it really challenges us. It really challenges us to have some patience. We struggle with patience. It challenges us to have faith in God. It challenges us to trust God. It challenges us, challenges us to understand that God is really a father who knows what is best. And if what we're asking for is really in accordance to his will, he'll give it to us when he feels we're best ready to receive it. And so what have we learned this morning? Well, we've learned this. We've learned God wants us to pray. God wants us to pray. 
Unlike the President of the United States, God wants us to feel free to talk to him at any time we desire. He wants us to ask him for blessings through prayer, and he wants us to understand that either he's going to say yes, or he's going to say no, or he's going to say yes, but you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait until I feel you're best ready to receive it. These are just some of the ways, just some of the ways in which God will respond to our prayers. In fact, when it comes to receiving an immediate yes in response to our prayers, brothers and sisters, one place we are guaranteed to receive that is when we ask for forgiveness. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, the Bible says if you're a Christian and you're in sin, if you ask God to forgive you through prayer, you don't have to wait a week, a month, or even a day to receive that. You can receive that immediately. You can receive that right now because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so if there's someone here this morning, a Christian, who needs to ask for God's forgiveness through prayer, or if you're someone who's never responded to the gospel and you're ready to respond through faith and repentance and baptism, whatever spiritual needs you may have, let us help you with that. Come to the front right now. Let's stand. Let's sing.